Here we go. Hey there, folks. This is your host, Cameron Ivey of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Privacy Please, here with Cam and Gabe. Gabe, happy Monday, man. How you doing? I'm well. It's been a minute since you and I did the Monday thing. Caught up. How you doing? How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Doing well. Doing very well. Um, I heard you over. Yeah, you 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 you've moved on to to some other pastures these days. Where tell tell the folks out there where you at now? Oh yeah, I'm 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 over at a company called Transcend, making some waves in the privacy industry. So pretty exciting. Um, Yeah, it feels good to be back. So uh, they, they are the Mortimer. I'm certain they are. They're, they're freaking lucky to have someone with the, the privacy depth that you do. So nice, righteous stuff. What are Definitely, we doing this yeah. week? What are we doing this uh, week? What's happening what? around the world this week that that might be worth talking about? There's a lot happening, but I'm glad you brought it to my attention. Um, obviously, school is back for kids. So why not talk about school you know, is back. The, the top 10 back to school student privacy tips and yeah. uh, resources for parents. So this is good. Let's do it. Let's that, that, that's exactly one of the topics we wanted to cover school being back in session. I mean, school at this point is, is pretty much fully back in session mm-hmm. for our U S based listeners. Um, I know we've got a lot of folks internationally, um, but for our U S folks and for, for the international folks know, know that all these things apply i don't think anything that, that we'll discuss here doesn't apply right but uh but for you folks stateside um by this point pretty much the entire school has made its way back into the classroom and not just kids but but the big boy girls and boys too right oh, like, yeah. like you know all the way through the uni level and then some um quick anecdotal thing and then, then we'll jump into the topic i am I am old enough that I remember that back to school for us as security practitioners, defenders actually meant and represented an uptick in at least like what we would call door rattling and window shaking, right? Like they weren't really <laughs> nefarious attacks, but a lot of attacks back then were, weren't financially motivated. I mean, yeah. this is 20 odd years ago. A lot of attacks back then were, were, were motivated by curiosity and, and, uh, and clout and, and political, political by activism. hackers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Those, sure. I would call those guys more gray, <laughs> more gray hat than, than, than straight white. I mean, I, <laughs> I put ethical hacking in the white category. Let's put these guys in the gray oh. hat category. Okay. But what would happen is the following before the internet, that became ubiquitous in like everyone's homes over tw- you know 20 odd plus years ago a lot of people got high speed access to the internet when they went back to school right. they either went to school during the day right like or if they went back to college on the campus they they got access either in their dorm rooms and or and or through student labs etc and so what we would see every year like clockwork is, is back to school would hit the alarms on all of our sensors would start lighting up slowly like ah there we go everyone's back back in their dorms they're back in school they're learning some new things they, they bring some things they learned over the summer they're teaching some new folks <laughs> and it also opened up windows into other people might get compromised but they were attacked 
attached to university networks that provided them largely unfettered access to the internet. Like university university um, high-speed access wasn't really regulated that highly some 20 years ago, right? Like firewalls yeah. were – they were fairly poor. So anyway. Well, they need it now because – you know, kids have iPads. They have, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. The, their challenges as universities has only increased. I promise you, it hasn't gotten right. worse. The, the anecdotal side for us is, as as defenders in in the the enterprise and corporate space, etc., is that we don't see as much um, attacks originating from unis as uh, as a source. And I don't mean that as the universities were doing the attacking, but their networks were being leveraged for that. We do still see some of that activity where, where the bad guys will route their way through um, unis if they can, because, you know, again, they have, they have lots of open access, but. Could you, but yeah, could let, you, could, mm-hmm. before we dive in, could you imagine being in school these days or being a teacher in school and having to deal with kids coming up to you and going, Hey, what's the, uh, what's the Wi-Fi password? What's the Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi password is sit your sit butt down. down. <laughs> Class is about to start. That would be the wrong answer though. Cause today the right answer is, you know, having Wi-Fi in the classroom is a necessary thing. Um, yeah. I don't have any actual statistics on it, but you know, I've had some firsthand experience and a lot of, a lot of kids have not only have internet access in school, but you know, they, they bring their laptops to school. If not provided one, they have right. one. That's not universal. There's, there's an ungodly amount of um, disparity in our learning and education system in this country. And some folks barely even have a hot freaking meal, much less a laptop to bring to school. Exactly. But, but that is that they still represent a, a significant part of, of, of our uh, population, namely, you know, kids having direct access to the internet so which by the way i know we keep going off topic but you just talked about lunches at schools did you see the lunches that they get in like uh china or asia i mean they're legit are they better are they worse no they're legit legit? oh that's good that's good yeah yeah jealous like i I can tell you the i don't know what they sling in public schools certainly these days stateside (laughs) but those square pizzas that you heat up and there's no way it's gone like hopefully it's gotten better but i don't I don't. I, I don't really it. know. I didn't. I didn't spend. I, I am not a product of said system. Neither good, bad, nor indifferent. But um, I don't yeah. think. I don't think my dietary restrictions would hold up to it. That's <laughs> it just. They would not. They would All not right. hold up to this thing and that. But anyway, yeah. So, so what should folks out there do? Mm-hmm. Well, look, we're not going to talk a ton about the security side of this. Maybe we hold a second episode. Maybe next week we cover security tips in particular okay. for yeah, the back-to-school crowd. But this week we wanted to talk quite a bit about the privacy side of back-to-school, right? Like some of the practical things that you can do for yourself, for your children. Um, again, I say yourself, even even if you are, you know, someone that that is in uh, in, in uni, wherever you at in that journey. But one of the things that that we see a lot of, and it's so easy to scrape from a data scraping example, is is directories. There are a lot of student directories. Um, now, at the elementary level, I've not seen a lot of student directories where they publish all the student names, et cetera. Um, but some of those things exist, especially, you know, when kids move from year to year, they publish the names of, of you know, Mr. Peterson's fourth grade class and so on and so forth. A lot of those things do certainly just feel like, you know, they feel like b- data that we've shared with the world for a very long time. And so it doesn't feel as, as, har- as, as harmful to be able to do so. But I would, I would stress highly that, you know, 
parents in particular should opt out of a lot of those directory information sharing services. Mm-hmm. If they are closed directories, directories that are closed just to the students and other parents, then I'm not, I'm not talking about those. Know that I'm saying that those are good and helpful. Those are great for staying in touch with each other, for, for helping each other out, for, for building community around, around your learning institutions. But, but the, the directories that are, that are that are open and there are lots of other third-party SaaS platforms um i think i don't want to call out any names but but some of them some of them you know you sign up for as students and, and all kinds of things help facebook began very much as more or less a, a a a pseudo student directory if you would but opting out of those things i think is is first and foremost one of one of the the the, the biggest privacy um tips that I think we can give for the back to school crowd. Yeah, I agree. Sorry, I had to go on mute there for a second. That's right. cat was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, I, I understand. I understand the, uh, the cat problem. Definitely. Um, here's the other thing I will say. So the, the second thing that you folks should definitely do is a lot of school these days are also utilizing a a number of different tools for Mm -hmm. distance learning that really came online during COVID and has only exploded since then. So, you know, kids are using zoom teams, Google meet, uh, all of those things for, for distance learning. And what I would suggest is that um, we, we invest some time in learning a couple of things about those. If our, if, if, if you yourself or your kids are, are, are using them for kids in particular, I know that there is, there's sometimes a strong desire by, by teachers to keep the cameras on so that they can observe, so that they can observe, you know, the, 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 the child and, and kind of have sure. that active visual in, engagement. Um, but I might, I might suggest looking into platforms that also, again, um, you know, are very strict about how it controls those types of privacy settings. Mm. Um, keeping the camera on even outside of that activity happens very easily for kids. They walk away, the thing's still on. Right. Invest in one of those little $1 plastic privacy covers that goes over the, the camera. Invest in one of those. They get oftentimes given out free at privacy and security conferences. And yep. if you listen to this show, you may, have, you may have joined one of those. I can't stress enough, invest in one of those things. Teach your children how to make sure that when they are not actively using their video conference for learning, they close that little screen over. They disconnect the video, but they close they just they close that little screen over. Um, there's any number of different malware or other things that can can hook a browser and take over control of of, of uh, your camera, etc. Close that thing now. Um, some other things you definitely want to do. I would certainly read up on the privacy policies of whatever platform you're using, Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education Student Privacy Policy Office, which is a thing, um, they have a number of resources that you can that you can access virtual vir- with regards to virtual learning. I would suggest checking those out. We will post the links to those. Um, FERPA has a lot of virtual learning related resources. I would totally check those things out too. Um, FERPA, for those of you not in the know and actively tracking all of the many acronyms in the U.S., that stands for Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. FERPA has literally been around since 1974. The Family Educational Pr- Rights and Privacy Act has been around since 74 which is a great thing we've been we have been attempting at a bare minimum to to protect children in higher education for for that long uh some other things that that we might suggest is 
you can in those same platforms check your student account settings. Um, we can post some additional links, but there's some some guides on what types of settings you want to make sure are enabled and not enabled from a privacy standpoint with these other third parties. You may trust your school, you may trust your students, but when using these other third-party platforms, make sure you understand what is turned on by default. Some of these platforms share information by default, right? Like they'll connect, collect anonymous usage information. You may not want that anonymous usage information being collected on, on yourself or your child, especially considering re-anonymization attacks are not exactly new. That data gets out there, and there are other ways that that data might be able to be to, to be to, to be de-anonymized. Sorry, um, de-anonymized, and and so make sure that you are not again overly sharing any of those things that are not necessary. Uh, back on yeah. the opt-out list, opt-out of freaking everything for the, for that matter. If it, if yeah. goes, right? like, so opt-out of surveys, right? Like, and, and student search services and those kinds of things. Opt-out of those kinds of things if, if you don't have any direct need or access for those things. Um, yeah, and definitely don't forget to ask questions to the teachers on what your, what, your, what your kids are using, what apps they're using, all that kind of stuff. Get them to open up about it, see if they even are knowledgeable on it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we'll post we'll post links to a number of these resources. But we really we really thought it was worth taking some time to dedicate this week's episode to something that I know many of our listeners are dealing with, which is back to school time of year. And how what you do for a living, how you can connect that in practice to keeping yourself safe online, keeping your your loved ones safe online. Yeah. And if you want to stay a little bit longer after the episode, I'm gonna dive a little bit more into some details on the top 10 um, things to to protect your children's Ooh, privacy. Bonus content on privacy, oh, yeah. please. We love some bonus content. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gabe, thank you so much, man. Short episode, but uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the security tips. That'll be a good one because I know we've talked about it even when we first started on some of those initial security tips for web browsers and things like that. But Some things haven't changed, but there's some new yeah. things that are worth sharing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Sometimes I said sometimes you gotta know Alrighty then ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of Privacy Please you're on the other side of it as you just heard me and Gabe talk about some of the top 10 privacy tips for back to school. Um, So I wanted to give you a little bit deeper dive on these top 10. And if you have anything to add, shoot it my way. But I thought this would be super helpful for everyone going back to school, all the parents out there and even, uh, you know, high schoolers or or college kids, whatever. But uh, let's go ahead and dive into this top 10 back to school student privacy tips and resources for everyone and parents. So Let's get into this. Today, we are going to dedicate the episode to equipping parents with the knowledge and tools they need to protect their child's privacy in the ever-evolving landscape of education. So as back-to-school season unfolds and it's in full swing right now, we, we find ourselves navigating a world of remote online learning and hybrid instruction. This shift has raised critical questions for from concerned parents and educators about the extent of student data collection and disclosure. So today, 
Let's delve into a, a comprehensive checklist of invaluable resources and tips that Privacy Please will empower you to safeguard your child's privacy throughout their educational journey. Ladies and gentlemen, number one, opt out of directory information. So FERPA or the Family Educational Rights of Privacy Act is, as Gabe said, was back, you know, it came out in the 70s. So it's the cornerstone of student privacy protection. It grants uh, schools the authority to share directory information about students without consent. However, parents have the power to opt out of this provision, ensuring their child's data is not shared with third parties. Directory information encompasses various details, including the student name, address, and very much more. Understanding this opt-out process and its significance is crucial in protecting your child's privacy. That's a big one. It's a good one. All right, number two, screen time and privacy in virtual classes. As your children engage in extensive virtual learning sessions using platforms like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, or Google Meet, concerns about screen time and privacy have surged. So we explore the the practical steps uh, you can take to address these concerns from configuring background settings and camera usage to the use of virtual backgrounds to enhance privacy. You know, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode with Gabe and I, where Gabe you know, really touched on maybe getting little cheap privacy screens for the camera. So when this, this, you know, your child's done with a a lesson, they can put that little pop it down. So it protects from anyone being able to look into the camera. Um, So little things like that can go a long way, right? We always want to be protective of our children. So number three, understanding FERPA and virtual learning, gain uh, deeper insights into how FERPA impacts your rights as a parent to observe your child's classroom activities, whether they're happening virtually or in person. The U.S. Department of Education, their guidance on FERPA and virtual learning provides clarity on your rights and responsibilities. So take a look at their site, uh, look look into more stuff, and, and just educate yourself for your children. It's really big there. Number four, limit screen time and promote hands-on learning. A mounting body of research highlights the potential adverse effects of excessive screen time on a child's development. We delve into the importance of limiting screen time exposure and encouraging hands-on learning experiences, providing a detailed look at the studies that support this stance. So yeah, I mean, there's little things that you can do. Let's say that your your child has an iPad. You can set timers um, on how long they can use it. That way it kind of forces them into doing other activities. And, you know, if you have to be the one that helps you have to kind of have that energy to 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 you know do the activities with them you know be creative and i understand that life is busy and we have jobs and all that kind of stuff but you can always find another job find more time with with your kids if you can super important Um, but having having limits and uh, timers on on things like that for screens is super important to to always keep in mind Number five, vet online apps and tools. To ensure your child's privacy, it's essential to stay informed about the apps and tools that that your teachers assign. Make sure that you go through the process of scrutinizing these tools, examining data collection practices, encryption measures, and vendor contracts to make informed decisions. Educate yourself again for your kids. Number six, review state student privacy laws. Every state has a unique 
law regarding student privacy. Exploring the 2019 report card of state student privacy laws enables you to understand the specific rights and protections available in your state. Go check those out. Super helpful. Number seven, access to education records. FERPA grants you the right to access and correct your child's education records. There is an in-depth guide on how to exercise this critical parental right to ensure accuracy and privacy online. I would go check it out. Definitely useful for sure. Number eight, minimal personal information. Empowering your child's empowering your child to share only the necessary personal information when creating accounts or using apps. <clears throat> the concept of anonymous logins and explore practical steps to enhance privacy for your kids. This is huge. Um, learn it with them too. You know, anything that helps them engage to learn about how to uh, protect themselves as well, depending on their age. Number nine, clear cookies and use privacy-friendly browsers. Your child's online privacy can be compromised by cookies. I'm not talking the cookies out of the cookie jar. We're talking about those other cookies. So the importance of regularly clearing cookies and introduce privacy-friendly browsers like Firefox and Brave um, will actively block ads and trackers. Like You, you want to pay attention to those, those, those kinds of things. Um, so super important there as well. Number 10, location tracking and online services. Location tracking permissions for apps and devices can pose privacy risks. Do yourself a favor, go and learn how to turn off these permissions and configure settings on Chromebook and G Suite for education to bolster your child's privacy. And here's a bonus one for you guys. Opt out of surveys and questionnaires. So when registering for standardized tests such as SAT, PSAT, or ACT, discover how students can opt out of surveys without affecting their college admission prospects. Look online. There's regulations governing testing companies and the protection of student assessment data out there and tons of research. If you have questions about certain things, please shoot them my way. Happy to help. Happy to point you in the right direction. If you have others that you want to add to this list, there's so many other things that you can. But I think those are the most important when you look at a list of top 10 or whatever, 11. But either way, good stuff. So um, as we draw this this episode to a close, remember that your child's privacy is a non-negotiable priority, right? Stay informed, ask questions, and be a vocal advocate for their rights. Explore our extensive resources um, that we have here with this episode. Please share to others um, for other ideas and stuff like that. And please add. We, we love hearing from others that are in the industry that uh, are more knowledgeable than I am. So we'd love to hear from you as well. So toolkits for parents and educators actively engaging in conversations about protecting student privacy in today's digital educational landscape is super important. Your involvement and commitment will ensure a safe and secure learning environment for, for all students, right? So if you have any questions or concerns, again, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and together we can uh, champion student privacy rights. So hope you guys enjoyed. If you have anything, would love to hear from you. If you're here, if you're coming for the first time, thank you so much for checking us out. And we're excited to see y'all next week for our next episode. But uh, until then, cheers and uh, stay fresh. Cameron Ivy, over and out. 
Hey, you guys made it all the way to the end. Thanks for listening. Again, if this is your first time, we really appreciate the support and everyone that's always been around since the beginning. We love you guys. Keep supporting Privacy, please. And we'll always have new content each and every week. Cameron Ivy, over and out.